0: Thank you for listening to the EFU Market Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. Carla Joe Helms is here with us. Hi, guys. And uh, today we'll be talking about startup marketing with Ryan O'Hara. Uh, Ryan has been an early employee at several startups, helping them with marketing and prospecting tactics, including uh, DIN or D-Y-N. You'll correct me on that, Ryan. Uh, um,
1: it goes by DYN. Yeah, that's cool. DYN. Cool.
0: Yeah. I've used them before. I can't even pronounce it right. No Um, one does. (laughs) Dine was acquired by Oracle for 600 million plus in 2016. Yep. Uh, He's also had prospecting uh, campaigns featured for Fortune, Mashable, and The Next Web. Uh, Ryan specializes in branding, business development, prospecting, and coaching people on how to make good digital first impressions. He also mentors two accelerators, the Iron Yard and the Alpha Loft, and hosts the prospecting podcast. Ryan, I've listened to that podcast. Uh, you got some great guests, some great subjects on there. And uh, we're thrilled to have you on, on the If You Market podcast today.
1: I, it's exciting. I, not very, it's not very often that I get asked to do the marketing podcast world because like we're in the sales space. So everyone's always asking us to do sales stuff, but it's nice to be. Well,
2: Mark, will marketing market- and sales go together, right?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely.
2: But, is it O'Hara or O'Hara? Ohara,
1: Ohara, it's the same
2: thing. Doesn't matter.
1: Okay.
0: Oh, yeah, As I was saying it, I was like Ohara, din, dine. I um, kinda
1: like I kinda like O'Hara though. It has like a more exotic tone to it. I might go by that for now.
0: <laughs> it sounded kinda royal when I said it. I thought, wow, that's, that's Yeah,
1: that's that's what heavy. I mean. I'm like, oh crap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I gotta change how I'm pronouncing that. <laughs> You're gonna be correcting people now. It's Ohara. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, I like that. The roll. Ohara. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so let's jump into a, a little about, about you here, how you got where you're at. I mean, I, I touched on it in the, in the intro there, some of the places you've been, some of the things you've done. Um, you do a lot in the, in the sales space, a lot in sales coaching. Your podcast is kind of around the sales aspect. Uh, today, we want to focus on B2B marketing. By the way, sales, marketing, all interconnected. If you guys want to hear a good podcast on sales, um, I've been listening to Ryan's and he's got some great. Great content on there. Some great people talking about really good, uh, really good stuff. Tell us
2: what the name of it is again, Ryan.
1: Yeah, it's the Prospecting Podcast. And I, I uh, wanted to kind of make, it's actually a cool oh, thing. Oh, would you,
2: you were, like to see my my cat? My <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, for the podcast listener, cat just jumped on the desk. It was cool. <laughs> random. Um, so what, what I kind of think, it's actually a cool thing of starting this. But one of the things that I like to talk about with a lot of people that are doing startup marketing is like, where do you start? Because you don't have anyone. No one knows who you are it's sad it's lonely you cry in the shower every night um or in the, morning, <laughs> in the morning um at least i do i mean i have allergies that's what that is yeah it's just no one knows your startup and i think one of the easiest ways to kind of get people to know your startup is using old media using people that are already around in the space and one of the first things we did is we started a podcast that we like you because no one had known who we were we were just a, another weird chrome extension in the store that no one knew about and we we're like man how do we get the word out that we do this stuff? And the cool part is, all these people that are, have audiences and following in the sales space—they're always trying to get their name out there. And if you can produce free content to them, why wouldn't they do it? I mean, I'm doing the podcast with you guys—it's free yep. content. I don't yeah. have to do any work.
0: And that's—I mean—that's what the podcast is for. I think we've we've mentioned on here, so for the listeners, you don't feel like you're duped or anything. But we create this podcast for content. We want to be able to reach out to people and honestly- all. Yeah. You know, send just sending out messages saying buy our stuff and uh, listen to us isn't really what you guys want to hear. So we thought let's invite on some people who know what they're talking about to talk about uh, marketing and uh, create some actual value while creating content. So, yeah, creating some sort of content and the podcast medium is great for that is, uh, you know, great way to get your um, get your product and get your name out there and get in front of people.
1: You'll be surprised if you're listening to this and you're like, oh man, what should I do? I just started my startup. I'm trying to figure out how to get people to notice it. It's so easy to just crank out a podcast, just make one once a week. You can get someone on that has an audience. And then when you post it online, you tag that person. They they share it. Their audience sees it. And the other cool part is as you get more and more of these, they become reshareable. That's the other cool part. Like it's not everyone thinks podcast episodes are like, time-based like a webinar and they're not once you do a podcast i like sky Sky, you could share this next week and then three weeks from now reshare it and retag me and you know what i'm going to do i'm definitely going to reshare it again and then my audience is getting exposed to your brand and learning about you and becoming aware of what you do you know and that
2: repurposing goes a long way when something comes up in the current news and you're like hey we did this 14 months ago we were talking about this it's still relevant today you can always repurpose it that's the great thing about it
0: yeah, most of the stuff is very evergreen. We had uh, MarTech, uh, Scott Brinker on a podcast last, uh, last year. And with MarTech conference coming up now, we just started promoting that episode again, saying, oh, hey, by the way, here's a great episode on, was on that MarTech. On
2: the BDW, that, that was on the engagement, right? Didn't they have the, that was the one that they did, the analytics on the engagement?
0: Uh, the marketing MarTech. one was just all about MarTech, uh, Scott Brinker is kind of a Martech. Being he's the guy, Mar-tech Scott, and, uh,
1: Scott's one of the guys that does He does that uh, tech landscape thing, right? Doesn't he uh, work on that every year?
0: Yeah, and he's got the Martech conference that he oversees every year. Mm. And, you know, He's a great guy, really easygoing. He came on, talked to us all about Martech, and I think the title of that one was Why Martech Won't Save You because he's saying, hey, he might be the face of Martech, but he's saying don't just think you're going to sign up for, for a Martech app and it's everything's done. Like, right. You need human work in there. That's where you're gonna fail or succeed, um, but yeah, you get you know get people to come talk to you about things and uh, like just get started. When I started on this, if you listen back to some of the first episodes, I probably really sucked, and now I only half suck. Like you get better over time.
2: <laughs> you only half suck today. And,
1: and if you're in the B two B space, the, so we're talking about podcasting right now. It kind of just accidentally happened, but if you're in the B two B space, the cool part that you gotta remember is it's not really about being a top 10 podcast on itunes it's really about getting one of the right listeners to turn in and do this if i do a podcast episode and one person hears about it and then eventually we prospect them and they're like oh i listen to your podcast or if i reach out to them or ask them to do something or they see an ad they're way more likely to convert with us um if if they have an experience with us or an impression and that's yeah
0: and it's very doable now. Speaking of Martech, there's a lot of solutions out there for this kind of stuff. It really only takes your time and energy in actually doing it. You could listen to like, you could watch two old episodes of Who's the Boss, or, or record a podcast or two. You know which yeah. which one you want to do with your time. Create it, get it out there. You do a podcast Good on plug, startup guy. marketing today. <laughs> Good plug for Who's the Boss. Yeah.
1: Who's the <laughs> boss? yeah. Yeah, who's the, who's the boss that's getting some free shout-outs here? Uh, <laughs> oh, another, boy, their
0: stock just went up.
1: <laughs> another another part, too, that I think people don't talk about is uh, – and I've kind of subscribed to this this past year. When I first joined LeadIQ, we did a ton of stuff mainly for Legion. gen. Like I'd go put together a webinar and hustle. I'd do some field marketing, put on an event, get a bunch of people there. And it'd be great, but you go do a webinar, and you get five or six people afterward to actually turn into meetings. And then you turn maybe one or two of those into a closed customer. He just did like three weeks worth of work to get one or two customers. It's okay. But one approach that I think works a lot better is actually we've kind of focused more on awareness this past year and we've had a lot more success with awareness, really focusing on just getting people to see lead IQ everywhere that we go. Same thing we did at Dine too. Like we tried to make sure that people always saw what we were doing. Uh, and the easiest way to do that is to do it with other people.
0: Yeah, build brand by putting your brand out there. And it, there's yeah, a lot I mean, of ways it to do it. The
2: exposure and the consistent exposure that definitely snowballs, gets traction. That's for sure.
0: So Ryan, there's kind of two, as I see it. And that leads me, into the next question. Yeah. You're, an, yeah. you're, you're much more of an expert in startup marketing. I've worked in some startups, but, um, but I feel like there's two different types of startup marketing. There's the startup that's bootstrapping, and needs to figure out how do they best leverage the, you know, couple thousand dollars that they're putting aside from their part-time job. And then there's the startup um, that has funding and they need to figure out, we have this funding, how do we best leverage, you know, this couple hundred thousand dollars that that we got from an investor to make sure that we, you know, succeed in a time frame that the investor needs to see versus Bootstrap trickling along and seeing if something can catch kind of. Um, can you speak to those two different types? Am I on, uh, on the right path here at all for, for how startup marketing works?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I think that the funny part for me, I feel like every place I've worked, I've always had no budget. Like I go in and have a very limited budget at first. Um, we didn't spend a marketing dollar here except for salaries probably for the first two years that I was here. Maybe with, with exception of $300 for pizza at an event or, right. you know, buying a beer tab when you take a customer out or something like those are pretty much the only things that we did everything else was super super bootstrapped so if you're doing a side hustle and trying to turn that into a startup and make it into a real job um i think that there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do i'll tell you one thing that um if if i wish i knew this 10 years ago and i believe in this now full heartedly if you're in a startup i think people get too caught up in talking about what their startup is and what their products and features are as opposed to the real problems that people want solutions for. I agree with you. Yeah. And it's, it's something that like they just get too preachy about what their product or service does instead of actually talking about like, how do I make my brand bigger than my company? I care more. Like lead IQ's brand is great. We do one thing today, but if we did 10 things tomorrow, like who would you rather be? Would you rather be Slack or would you rather be Disney? Slack's right. great. It's a chat app. They're valued really high, but I'm not going to lie. I, I'd rather be Disney any day of the week. <laughs> because of Everything Disney put touches turns into money.
2: Well, you know, I think when you're looking at something as a consumer, it's very different when you're looking at somebody, something as the business, you know, or the sometimes even the marketer, they forget, you know, the viewpoint of the consumer, like the, the client or consumer is looking at the problems. They're trying to solve stuff, right? And then you get on the other side of the equation and you're like trying to get in front of them, right? You forget to put the problem in their face.
1: Yeah, people, don't, people put on business goggles and product goggles and the product people get involved. And realistically, what you need to do is you need to say, man, my brand needs to transcend whatever my product is so that tomorrow if we have 10 products, we still can be a brand that people like. And I guess
0: thing, as a startup, if you pivot, yeah. and most startups pivot, and all you did was build up these features that now are thrown out the next day for a pivot, then you lost everything you were working on versus building a brand around a general idea or concept.
1: Yeah. And Weed uh, IQ, for example, I'm ch- not trying to plug my company. I was talking about the brand. We literally have our own personality for it, it's its own person, it's got its own personality. Um, we did brand archetyping for it. Do, do you guys, do your listeners know what that is or should I explain what that is? Uh, some them. do, some
0: don't, but uh, you can explain. Yeah. I think we've okay. had a, an episode on it before, but uh, yeah, please.
1: Yeah. So brand archetyping is basically, there's a framework where people like to understand and categorize things that they process in their day life. Um, some And we process these things because we relate to all of them. So good examples. Sometimes I want to feel like a badass. Sometimes I want to feel like a magician that makes dreams come true. Sometimes I want to feel like a sage. I want to be the smartest person in the room. Sometimes I want to be a gesture. Your brand should pick one of these archetypes and commit to it with everything that you do. Content-wise, the way you position your product, the way you talk about it on the website, the way you prospect, the way you cold call, everything. You stem from all this. It's a compass that guides you on how to communicate and talk with your brand. So
0: don't have a schizophrenic, multiple personality disorder brand kind of.
1: Yeah, I hate when I see companies that are really serious put out a fun video in quotes. It's like wearing flair in office space. (laughs) Like like instead, just what you should do is just have personality all the time. Like if you're being being stiff and serious, and the secret is if you're a startup, pick a brand archetype no one's doing. Like I looked at our space, for example, and we're kind of bunched in with these data providers in the sales space. Um, All these companies are stale and kind of boring with the way that they do marketing. If you lined them up in a row and said and gave them all the same logo and changed the, te- the text, you wouldn't tell the difference between them. But if you actually look at us and our content and stuff, we have our own life and personality in the content that we produce and the way that we communicate stuff. And that's because we use brand archetyping. The brand archetype we pick is a gesture. So we try to make people laugh. We try to entertain them. We worry about that stuff a lot more than uh, making money off of you. And then when you like us and you feel an attraction to – us, you're more likely to dig in deeper and check out the details later on on your own.
0: And then people will remember. I guess it's easier to remember also. So, how deep does this brand architecture go? Like, does your brand have a favorite type of pizza?
1: Uh, we haven't gone that detailed, <laughs> but like, <laughs> let's just put it this way. Should have just said ham and pineapple. You know yeah. what? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm on the I, I'm on the fence about Hawaiian pizza. I like I both. I don't know. But let the let the record show, though, that um, we put everything's through a filter so if we make a landing page for example for a campaign we're doing i might make a landing page that's exactly what i want to say and then the next iteration is okay let's put it through the gesture archetype now how do yeah. we make this copy more fun how a do we make character
0: ma- would crack a joke here would use this turn of phrase instead that kind of a thing
1: yeah like we have one of the things that our app does is it helps people with like finding email addresses and stuff and we literally wrote in one of our like landing pages we instead of saying find anyone's email the landing page said are you a wizard and then it made a joke about like what you're, you can't guess emails you have to figure out a way to do it and we'll do little yeah. stuff like that we'll try and find little bits in the pieces of content i'm getting i'm actually evolving the concept so much more now where um we're now literally scripting fiction for some of our talking head videos that we do, where we're giving advice on stuff, like we script things ahead of time and think about, like, I I hired. There's a guy here on my content team his name's Rishi, who is a stand up comic in New York, and he's living here for 90 days. And I'm teaching him how to video edit, audio edit, write, blog, all that stuff. I'm teaching him everything, and then he's gonna basically help me with like fitting into our archetype. And that's that's sort cool. of, Yeah, that's the way that's it should cool. be. Like, if yeah. you're a brand that wants to be a sage brand or an explorer brand, you want to try experiments. Go hire someone that has a background in science. Yeah. If you want to be a brand that is an explorer brand, go hire someone that travels, doesn't like to travel a lot of places and stuff. Like you can fit things that fit everyone's interests. but here's the cool part. Every person on this call right now, we're all these things. There's different times where I'm like, where I want to be like, st- I want to stick it to the man. That's a rebel archetype. And all your customers want to stick it to the man sometimes. Like sometimes Harley Davidson. Are. literally Harley Davidson has a whole business model off this reason people yeah. there's a lifestyle around harley and there isn't around honda bikes or bmw bikes is because harley has a brand
0: not a lot of honda tattoos on people's arms
1: yeah when was the last time you saw a <laughs> honda tattoo and you know what i dro- i have a honda moped and i don't have a i love it i, I have a ruckus i drive i drove a
0: motorcycle back in the day i drove a honda and i remember i was out one night and uh i pulled up at uh, it was probably a bar i was going somewhere so let's say i pulled up at this bar and i parked my motorcycle out front there was a bunch of motorcycles parked and there were some people standing there and they looked at me and they're like what are you doing the motorcycles parked there were all harleys and they're like you don't park your honda here they wouldn't they wouldn't <laughs> let me park my bike there and i was like okay i know better i'm not gonna just walk away because i'm gonna come back to no bike or something but uh
1: it's so yeah, funny that startup their
0: story about the brand
1: Startups don't think about this. Like you want to build a Harley. What if your company actually makes it and you're not one of the,
0: what if your company makes it?
1: <laughs> Do you want to be stuck with some garbage brand? That's all about features and bullet points and stuff. That stuff's boring. Like yeah. think of, I know it's funny. If you read all these startup blogs, you're like, Oh, don't focus on your first hire being a branding person. And I couldn't disagree with you more. I think that a branding person should be able to get in the weeds and do some of the cool like tactical stuff too and execute, but they should be mindful of what kind of company you want to build.
0: I also think a lot of really successful startups, when you look at who their first, forget about the first hire, they might be successful, not because they hired a branding person earlier, but because one of their founders was a branding genius like they yeah. were really good at branding and they focused on that and they may not have even known it but they really cared about the brand and put a lot of attention
2: or one of the founders had a really strong personality that
0: mm.
2: uh you know he made sure was emulated because that's successful too you know you have thought leaders that um you know have a strong personality that's one of the reasons why they are thought leaders
1: look at look at someone like richard branson for example right richard branson's constantly known for being a rule breaker and his company and their board meetings—they're not allowed to wear ties. Like, there's like rules that he sets, and he publicly brags about this stuff because that's part of his brand. Uh, I—I've been actually talking a lot about this with sales reps, saying like, "Hey, when you're online doing social selling, you should be building your own brand." Um, but like, by the way, that's something else you should do too—make every one of your employees a face of your company. And if they like on the business side, I—I I, I get so annoyed when I go to the companies and I'm like. I'll talk to their marketing teams and say, hey, you really should be putting your your sales reps front and center, making them in your content, have them do stuff, have them run webinars and stuff. You know what they say? Markers like, oh, I don't trust them. And I'm like, you trust them talking to your customers and closing million dollar deals, but you don't trust them talking to a thousand customers? Don't hire them in the first place. If, if don't you
2: think that's just the age old problem between marketing and sales? I mean, it's like marketing versus sales, right? And but yeah. they'll get
0: better over time too. Sure the first time when they're in front of an audience, they might not be, you know, super smooth. But who is? Right. Like, put people out there, let them Well, I have some that it. would
2: love
0: yeah. that. Yeah, they
1: they I want to do
2: that.
1: <laughs> it's honestly a great it's a great thing because it shows that you want to invest in your talent and it also gets it so that they you can cherry pick some stuff too. But like we have everybody here produce content. It's literally I have uh, time blocked off on our calendar where we try and film we'll go film a bunch of stuff with them for like 30 minutes one one for a week and then we'll have content for the next five months with them in it and we'll put out little bits of videos they post it natively and ask people to contact them they post a video it has our logo and we have our little marketing polish on it they come to our site we cookie them we retarget them we bug them we bug them and the other cool part is all these people that these reps are prospecting, we upload into custom audience sets and then run targeted ads with their content in it. So when Jeremy and our team is writing an email to John Smith at Acme, John Smith at Acme is seeing Jeremy's face on his LinkedIn and on his Facebook and on his Twitter, uh, on paid social. And that's, that's the cycle of how you get true alignment is you use that talent to try and tap that in. it's uh,
2: really, really smart.
1: Yeah, it's, I, it's really that's
2: smart.
0: You mentioned something earlier that I wanted to jump back to really quick. You mentioned hiring a comedian on your marketing team. And I've always wondered why companies that wanted a more friendly, fun brand didn't hire comedians for their copywriting. Most of the comedians aren't doing anything anyway. Um, (laughs) They'd love to have a couple extra bucks here and there. They're probably inexpensive. And I mean, when it comes to copywriting, that's kind of all they do is make copy that can come across smoothly to people and I mean, crack a joke in there. Great, hiring a comedian as a copywriter. I, I love that idea. What
2: a rebel comedian! I like.
0: Yeah, that. <laughs> There's all brands of comedians. There's all kinds. Oh, of
2: awesome, Such them a them. great idea.
0: A like, possible
1: look at, comedian. Look at the face. Like I, I was watching. I, I love watching Conan O'Brien. Like I watch a lot of his stuff to get ideas for marketing here. Like what? There's um, uh, uh Alan Gannett from uh well, I don't know what the company he's working for now, but he wrote a book and it's basically about like how these people become good content creators. And one of the things that he says is he went and found all these people that make great content, they consume content. So I've been like really trying to go like when I have extra time, I try and find things to watch. And I've been watching a lot of Conan and catching up on old clips and watching them on YouTube. And um, one of the things that I noticed with Conan is that he doesn't ever break but he's actually an ex- if you watch him in interviews when he's not conan on the show and stuff he's actually sort of playing an exaggerated version of himself so we like we're actually doing that here now like i'm trying to get away from just making content and kind of make more infotainment like did did either you guys did you guys watch the office when it was on nbc
2: of course
0: i've been yeah. watching it lately just at random it'll it started popping up in like a YouTube feed of mine. And I love it. I never yeah. watched it that
2: that, that, that much. I when think I've watched out. it twice all the way through. Oh my God, it's so, good.
1: So marketers that are listening right now, how much would you have paid if they weren't selling Dunner Mifflin, but they were selling your product or service or your startup? Oh.
0: Yeah, I would have right. killed,
1: I would have paid yeah. millions of dollars. I probably would have co- If I had the money, I would have covered the production cost in and this, and all the, the entire budget and just released the same thing that they did every week. Some of the stuff's controversial. There's an episode where Michael accidentally outs an employee and then tries to kiss him, like to make him show that he's like tolerant of, of people. Like there's stuff that happens that's inappropriate that you can control, but no one's going back and holding torches and complaining at Dunder Mifflin, a fictional paper company. And no right. one's going to NBC and burning down the doors and yelling at them for producing a show that did that. That's like that's where I think the future of marketing's heading too, is like, can I find a way to entertain my customer? Remember these people that you're going after—they're going to sign contracts and do stuff with you. Their um, their they're lives are busy. You're interrupting them. Give them an escape. Like that's that's part of this it's that I think true.
2: Get. It's really like the new infotainment, isn't it?
0: Marketing's going back to where it started. We're we're making Lone Ranger episodes to sell our soap again.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean they used to don't do just
0: fully, throw they used to do a fully pitch line at. Them.
1: Yeah, fully integrated fiction put in and that's actually what we're doing this year too. So like we're trying to every week it's, we're no longer writing videos and making videos where I'm just talking and saying something. A lot of the time it's a bit, we're writing a bit and then we're feeding a lesson into it.
0: That's awesome.
2: That's very cool.
0: So that sounds like it's advanced for a lot of startup marketing. So to get back to the startup marketing, let's do some nuts and bolts for startup people. Yeah. <laughs> How did you, get there? you start? got a startup And they're not a marketing person. Where, where should they start? What what things should they have in place? Where should they put their efforts?
1: Yeah, so I think the easiest thing to do is audio and video. Just grab a Zoom like we're doing right now. Um, grab the or grab whatever, Do Skype, use whatever software you want. Go reach out to prospects and ask them to do something with you. People will surprisingly say yes. When they say yes, make something really easy to do. Block off 15 minutes and do a rapid fire question thing. Put on the site. Post it on social. Tag that person. When that person shares that thing, when people comment and like on it, go after those people as prospects. And if when they if they if they aren't interested, ask them to be on your podcast. Ask them to do the thing that you want to do. And well, this is what I did at Lead like IQ for literally two years before people started noticing us. And I, I did it without spending much money. We were getting the product ready and trying to make it better and better and figure out some things. And before long, we put ourselves in a position where like. I, I joked about this the other day, but our biggest competitor DiscoverOrg, bought a company called zoom info. Um, that was big. Yeah. 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 It's huge. Zoom and discover were one and two in our market. We joke that we're now in second place because they're one company. And oh, yeah. we actually, we made a video about it as a joke, like where everyone's dancing and celebrating it as a joke. But like, <laughs> th- th- I, we got like a ton of meetings from that. I posted that and a bunch of direct messages were like, Oh, we didn't know you competed with them. Let's talk. And that like, yeah. That's where it sort of starts to happen a little bit. If you're a startup marketer, or sorry, if you're a startup founder and you're trying to kick off your startup, what I recommend is get your prospects involved in the stuff that you do. Don't do it by yourself because no one's going to see it.
0: Nice. We're in the same space and we started saying around here immediately, wow, one less competitor. One of our top competitors is gone now.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh
0: no, look what happened. Oh no, they're making this giant. No, no, it's one less competitor. That's great.
1: And, you uh, know, Ryan,
2: that is super simple. It's great advice. And you said you did it two years before it really started to gain traction. And well,
1: we, it did it did get week. traction. Like it would get traction. But the thing is, we went from getting one or two meetings every time I do something to now getting thousands of people coming to our site because they've heard of us.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's if awesome.
1: you don't give up on it and you do it long enough, people will start to notice. I hate to I don't I know I know he's polarizing and stuff, but like I actually, it reminds me of, um there's a like of Gary Vanderchuk. I'm not a follower of his, like a lot of, I know a lot of people in the sales. I love so. when people
0: mention him, they either have to say, I love him or I'm not, I don't follow him. He's not my no, favorite. No, no, no.
1: I don't want, I don't <laughs> want people to, like, if this you saw our uh, brand. Yeah. We're, we're very different styles, but like, if you look at the stuff that he puts out, he put a video out where he shared, it's, it's like over the top, but like all these salespeople share it. It's like about not giving up. They showed him posting on YouTube 500 straight days of wine reviews, where it's just him on YouTube drinking wine. He probably has a drinking problem if he's doing. But the videos, the videos showing like it's showing him drinking it, and it shows the view count on the videos, and they're all like, 100, 120, 130, 140, and it literally just kept going, kept going, he kept did. going. To the point where people started to actually notice what he's doing, and now he's got like a crazy cult following.
2: It's just true. Now, what did you do when you did, like, say, for instance, fifteen minutes, and you did it every day or every week or a couple times? What would you riff on? What would what topic would you pick? What would you do?
1: Yeah. So I, a lot of the time, I would get inspired by something that I'd see someone do. So, like, I a big thing I'd recommend if you're a startup founders, maybe start your day off if you're trying to come up with some content stuff. Block off time on your calendar for ten minutes just to look at what's going on on LinkedIn, like see what people are writing and talking about, and what'll happen is I'll see a post, and I'll message a person. And my I I never automate anything. Everything's always super personalized. I just say, hey, saw you said this about this. Would like to talk about that for a little bit. Could we do a podcast or something? And before long, I had people. I, first off, very few people will say no. You'll get people that will respond back and say they're really busy. Let's do it in a couple months and I'll actually follow up with them. Um, I've had like some pretty good people that I have in my pipeline that I can tap at any time to do something with. And I'm like kind of saving it for like the right topic. But like at, in the early days, that's what I do. I just would say, could you hop on and we could do something really quick. People don't say no. I, it's, it. People like to your- talk. Yeah, look at, like, we all know about Richard Branson. Everybody knows about Steve Jobs, obviously, when what he did at Apple and stuff. Like, I know it's cliche to talk about him, but, like, everybody knew who he was. If you saw him at a grocery store, you'd be like, holy crap, it's Steve Jobs. Um,
2: but he was really focused on the brand. Right, and that's the thing. Which is that's why we keep talking about him. He, he was put, focused.
0: You he mentioned him in a grocery store. I just picture him standing in the meat aisle just looking at meat.
2: Well, you know, it's funny that you say that. <laughs>
1: like just smelling it and then was
2: moving. He on was he a meat eater or was he vegetarian? No, not no, no very much
1: not. He was famously, apparently before he died, he was famously, he only ate fruit.
0: Yeah. So was, but part of the problem for his demise was they couldn't get uh, protein into his system. That's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. He hadn't eaten meat in so long. Um, but yeah. But, he, but everyone
1: knows him. who he is because he put himself with his company and it became the face of his brand. Yeah if you're a developer that's starting a startup and you don't want to do that, go get someone that will like you can be the secret CTO that doesn't talk. Like for me, for example, I like, I've kind of unintentionally become the face of lead IQ for stuff, but like our CEO is great when she's in panels. Her name's may she's awesome, but may's kind of, she likes getting in the business stuff. She's not completely comfortable always being the, the face of everything so like i kind of do that for her and we we have a great dynamic when she does do it it's even better because it's like whoa it's the wizard behind the curtain but um you like if you're uncomfortable doing that maybe you should get someone to help you out like it's not too hard there are people out there that are done. just go get a comedian go get a (laughs) person like go get someone that maybe has worked in sales marketing if you're a marketer and you want to do head down stuff you're gonna probably like yeah, it's fine, but you should have someone that wants to be out there and do this stuff. So I know we're getting into
2: sales here because this is marketing. But I know people in our podcast are going to ask this question. I'm a startup. I do this. People are liking. How do I prospect from them? Why do you, you know you go? Yeah.
1: This could be a whole podcast, and it's. A, oh wait, it okay, well, is. Well, just give us mean, a tip yeah. because I know <laughs> this. This is
0: your podcast. I've, I've heard this on your podcast, and I'd say you just have to ask.
1: Yeah, so I mean, here's the framework. Here's to ask. I do
0: that yeah. here. I don't ask people. I'm like, I'll have them on the podcast. And then maybe down the road some point we'll, we'll follow up and ask. But I don't want to be salesy. It's like, no, no. You have a product. You want them to know about it. Just ask them. If, right.
1: here's, you know. my, here's my basic guideline if you're listening. The first, there are four questions every activity you do, whether it's a cold call, cold email, or social should do. You need to answer these four questions. Why are you contacting me? Uh, that basically is what made me notice you. I saw on LinkedIn you posted about this. Was curious if you'd want to talk if you're doing the podcast pitch. If you're pitching your product, I saw on LinkedIn that you wrote about this. My product's trying to fix this. Like you need something that's personalized about them on that end. How how am I special to you? So your activity needs to answer that question too. You're not proving to the person, my product's amazing. Check out my product. You really should use it. You're proving that you handpicked them and you're stopping your busy day to reach out to them because they're really important to you and they're really special to you. <clears throat> it should, when you're doing that, it's like you're a GM of a sports team trying to recruit the person to sign with your team. Like that's the way it should be viewed. And then the third part is who are you? This is the biggest mistake. So many startup founders will go make an email where the bulk of the email is who they are. They yeah. introduce themselves. They talk about their company, bullet, bullet, point, bullet, 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 bullet point, value prop, value prop. Can we get a meeting? Can we get 15 minutes to chat? Hell no. I'm not going to look at that. Like, instead, one sentence. We are trying to help people with XYZ. Want to see if you want to talk about this. And then the last question that your cold email sh- or cold call or whatever activity you're doing should be, what do you want me to do with this? So many people leave a call to action out. Like, they don't talk about, like, are you asking for a meeting? You asked me to check out for the site. You can only do one. You can't do both. I see startup founders would be like, I'd like to check out and get your mind on, like, figure out your, what you think of my product. We're helping people with XYZ. Book fifteen minutes of my calendar. Check out my website. Uh, email my mom. Like, will Just list a bunch of things that like. You call want the me person to do.
0: anything you want. I'll come to your house. Just tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and this tip's not one of the four questions, but end your email or your phone call with an open-ended question. If you say end with a yes or no question, you don't get an objection. You'll get. You'll just get an. You'll get no equals no response. Yes equals yes. I'm interested, and you're leaving it to luck.
2: You know, get... that's the same thing we do with the media. We apply sales and marketing tactics with the media. You never lead in with who your client is or whatever. You lead in with the problem. You lead in with the issue. By the time they get down to the bottom, you've hooked them through a series of hooks that they're like, who the hell are you? Who the hell is the client, right? It, it, you know, what you're saying is just, it, it's so common sense that I kind of go, God, this is a great like refresher you know? Yeah. One other, thing,
1: one other thing too, I was going to say, um, you'll run into an issue too, where people will prospect a company, but all right, we're all in startups here. We all care about our companies. You got to remember the average person changes jobs once every 18 months. Um, they don't care about their job. A lot of the people that you prospect. So you need to talk about them individually. Uh, look at it, go on LinkedIn, go look at Go look at the CEO of X co- or CFO of X company. CFOs ch- churn a lot, by the way, like they usually stay <laughs> at a place for a year, then go somewhere else.
0: Probably half of our guests. When I first reach out to them to when they record and air are at a different company.
1: Yeah. Like, and a lot of that's because the they, they, you hit a wall where you're like, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. The, the whole job industry has changed. Like people change jobs a lot more frequently. And what that means is that you need to, when you prospect someone you need to appeal to them as a human, not, their company they are not their company the days of having someone and their identity being made by that their company is kind of non-existent anymore except for the early. St- like i've been at lead iq since like very very early so like for me it's a big part of me but when you're someone that f- moves around jobs a lot that's the, like you got to appeal to them individually
0: yeah you mentioned sports or you mentioned like a general manager it is a lot like sports people used to they join a team and they'd be on that team for life. Every yeah, once in a while, they yeah. get traded. It's a big deal. Now everybody's a free agent every other year. Most people are moving. Yeah, it's
2: even affected that industry. Like-, like, look at look at
1: the NBA for example. Like, all these people will go, All these players will get max contracts, but they get one year opt outs all the time.
0: Yeah, everybody's constantly looking to move in sports on the on the job everywhere. Yeah. Um, all right. We touched on quite a bit here. I want to take a quick break. After the break, we'll get back to kind of more more startup marketing. Maybe go into some specific channels and and whatnot. So just uh, think about that for a minute, Ryan, and we'll be back in just a minute.
2: Hi, it's Bill Cates. I'm president of Referral Coach
0: International. And the shortest line to relevance, to getting someone's attention, is a recommendation from someone else they already trust. We help you multiply your best clients and reach those hard-to-reach clients. So reach out to us at referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Let's start a conversation. See if I can help. Hey, this is Sky Cassidy. Welcome back to the If You Market podcast. I've got uh, Carla Jo Helms, our co-host here with us, and Ryan O'Hara. We decided we're going to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> O'Hara.
1: It sounds Scottish uh, when you do that. Oh, right? oh, 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 get some macaroons. <laughs> you're
0: the VP of marketing over there at Lead IQ, but you talk a lot about sales. Did I get something wrong here?
1: No, it's just, you know what it is? I started in sales. I wanted to work in marketing. I graduated from school in 2008 when the recession hit, and all the entry-level marketing jobs are getting scooped up by people that were more senior that had to come back down to, like, take a job and get through stuff. So... I got my start at Dine as the first business development rep that they ever hired. And my job was to prospect. I did outbound Mm -hmm. straight up. First couple of months that I worked there, I sent crap. I was really bad at prospecting. I did this thing where like I was that shy college kid that like would look at what the other reps were sending and be like, I better duplicate that and do that. And then about a month into the job, the chief revenue officer at Dine. Now he's like a GM at Oracle, but Kyle Yorkie sat me down and said, Hey, I hired you to be Ryan. I didn't hire you to be Josh or Brian. No disrespect <laughs> to those guys. Those guys are cool too, but they're better closers anyway. But um, he basically said that. And I, it opened up my world. I just kind of treated my BDR job like a marketing job, except that I was doing marketing for one account at a time.
0: You took on your personality instead of trying to just co-opt everybody else. Like you're talking yeah, about. And
1: I, we had, I learned so much doing it. And the cool part is I did that stuff and it worked so well that they actually ended up moving me over to marketing, but, you wanted to be anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And the other cool part, they actually had me train the sales team. So like I would do about, I got a session that I do on prospecting with them. I got four hours for every new hire and then come in, we do them in waves once a month and I'd show them how to write emails. I'd show them how the tech works, all that stuff. And uh, it was, I just learned a ton from it, but the, it ended up getting me ingrained all this useless crap about sales And when I moved back into marketing and then eventually I went to another startup where I was a CMO at, and I then worked at another company where I was a CMO. Like I basically got stuck in these positions where I had all this useless crap about prospecting, but nowhere to tell anyone about it. So I just started (laughs) doing side blogs about it. And then it eventually led to the CTO Elite IQ, Angela Wang messaged me after I wrote a blog post on how to find people's email addresses. And it led to us talking. And then, when they're actually hiring for a position, I saw an angel list. I was like, I know that guy. And I applied and talked to him and the rest kind of happened from there.
0: That's awesome. I always, and I find different companies are structured different and that's fine. But in our company, I always say that marketing works for sales. So, so it makes sense. Some companies have the exact opposite philosophy, you know, that marketing does not work for sales. Um, And some, you know, they're side by side and they collaborate, but I, in our company, anyway, I find it much more successful when marketing takes the attitude that they work for sales and their job, you know, if a sales guy needs a cup of coffee to close a deal, the marketing guy should run and get it for him. Maybe not to that extreme. That's really a sales manager's job to get coffee, but. Uh,
2: no, but you know, if it I, does its point, I mean, you really got your hands wet, like working from the back end. I mean, marketing's job is to facilitate, to help sales close. And you started from the very end and worked your way back, Right.
1: Yeah, I think, well, I think the part that I really learned was like, I realized, oh, there's a couple things I wanted to talk about with this. Um, All right. You you probably
2: developed your own philosophy based off of this.
1: Yeah, I know. It's it's like a, uh, I guess I'll go into it a little bit. I have two things I want to talk about from a philosophical standpoint. The first is, let me ask you guys, do either you ever make landing pages or make websites or write copy and stuff? Sure. Yeah,
0: I do some of that here.
1: So as a startup founder, if you go and do that stuff, you have to like write things and figure that out. Um, What takes more time? Going to a designer and saying, hey, I'm going to market the site this way. I want to put this messaging here. I'm going to spend a couple thousand dollars on Google ads to get people to come to the site. Let's watch and see if people convert and I'll know if this is good messaging or not. That's like the typical route a startup founder does. The way I look at it is, I look at it as like, oh, wow, I can actually like use prospecting to test messaging first before I go put it on a website. And that's a really easy way to go figure this stuff out. Um, so when I was at Lead IQ, for example, wow. the first six or seven months, I would, I thought that people were going to buy Lead IQ because we'd help you get the, the contact information that you want. Right. I couldn't have been more wrong. I like contact information is a commodity. Like people either have good data or bad data. If not, they buy data from people like that's basically the framework of this. What I learned was the reason people were getting lead IQ was for the workflow of being able to get that information into the different tools that they use. I would have never learned it if I didn't prospect. So
2: philosophically you're saying marketing should go sit down with sales and find out what the front lines are really experiencing. Yeah. And then compare
1: it. You can get more feedback from doing five or six cold calls or writing a hundred emails and getting you know, twenty or thirty responses if you follow the thing we said earlier in the podcast on how to write a cold email. Um, <laughs> but if you if you write and are very careful and go through, you can you'll get every objection, so you know what bullets you have to beat when you put your stuff on your web page. You know what value prop is working the best because you'll see what yeah. your response rate, and you'll also learn what uh, you'll learn what other things you need to address on your web copy. Uh, and it's way easier to write a cold email than it is to go design a web page.
0: Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of little, little things you don't have to deal with there. You can just try different content out, send it out, send it out, send it out, call people. So yeah, I guess that's kind founder,
1: of- If you're a founder, block off an hour of your calendar every week, right? You could probably, you should try and write one cold email every 10 minutes. And if you have time, see if you can sneak in some follow-up cold calls in there, but do that once a week until you have traction. And when you have traction, kind of have a good idea of what you should put on your website
0: so that's a little bit of an so the three
2: points were every objection value props and what was the third one
1: the third point is it's kind of honestly it's not professional but like various crap that comes up <laughs> like you'll just <laughs> learn stuff no you'll just learn stuff like oh, i never thought of using my product that way right i didn't realize, I didn't realize that people were going to use lead iq because they were tired of doing copying and pasting i thought people were going to get <laughs> lead IQ to get information and yeah. copy and these things what they really hate not to plug my product. Swear to God, I'm not trying to do that.
0: <laughs> that's per- perfectly fine. It's relevant here. Um, that's uh, that yeah, That's point
2: number one.
1: So my second philosophy, and this is good. I love these. You guys are queuing these up amazingly. This is like professional. Um,
2: <laughs> we're my so sec-
1: proud. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you can't see because it's podcast world, but we're all blushing. Um, okay. The other thing that I've learned that I've learned from doing other startups and what worked at Dine and what didn't is Startups are really about little wins every day. Everyone in the, if you're in the West coast, especially there's this toxic Silicon Valley mentality that like, I'm going to try something and it's going to scale and I'm going to get millions of customers and I'm going to be shredding guitar and and sitting on my VC funding and all that. It's not the reality, right? It's not really how it is. If you want your startup to be good and you want to do well, you need, need, need little wins every day. There's 220 business days in the, in the uh, work here. You probably work, if you're a startup, you're probably working 50 or 60 hours a week on it. All you need is one little win every day. It's like chipping away in a forest with
2: a hatchet. If yeah, you do that's that, really, really profound. I it's, mean... It's stupid, but it it's so is. smart, It's right? stupid smart. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying if you
0: want to be a sexy startup and have that, that do that fun stuff, do that on those other days that aren't work days.
1: I, work I, days. I, I live... I live in New Hampshire and I work for a Silicon Valley company and working with the founders here, they've embraced this and it's been so much better for us. We've seen competitors blow all their funding and go under. We've seen companies try and do home run growth hacky things and get shut down or sued. We've seen companies that burn their funding and overhire and then they're like, oh, I don't get why we're out of money. We've just been very, very careful to like try and figure out a way to get little wins every day. If I you get know, one, it's really
2: incremental, right? It's like things grow in gradients. It's no—that's why there's no silver bullet. There's no get-rich-quick scheme. There, I mean, yeah. in the reality of it—it's a—it's it, you know, maybe it's a natural law, kind of like gravity.
1: Try and have try and have one. If you're a startup founder, try to have one win a day. And when you hire a new employee, say your goal is to have one win a day. And if you have if if you feel good about those wins your 220 wins will turn into 440 wins and your 440 wins will turn into 880 wins. You've and then been my thinking about was, this. Then, <laughs> no, 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 I was panicking that I did the math wrong, but, um, <laughs> the like think of it. You can do the 80
2: 20 rule on that, right? You could. Yeah. Each
1: person. Yeah. <laughs> I just kept going up by two, but, or whatever, but um, <laughs>
2: we're
1: squaring it, squaring it. Each person, each person out there though, that is going out and doing this stuff. You want to hire people that think like this. And I think, the startups that I always talk to that do well are the ones that do this little wins get one you close a big account that day great you, that's one little win you got a good response from a prospect or you got a good inbound lead from your marketing page great that's a little win you allowed
2: a client
1: yeah in. you got a you got a referral holy yeah. crap someone didn't just use your product they used your product and liked it so much that they're telling other people about it that's a little win
0: yeah, the right person accepted your connection on LinkedIn, whatever it is, just getting, getting something done every day and it builds up instead of the trying scaling, to hit that home run.
1: Yeah, you don't need the scaling part. In my opinion, I don't think the whole scaling part, you don't really need it until you get to an A round.
0: And having your company be scalable is different than thinking it's going to immediately scale. Because right. like you said, people try to scale and they're like, great, here's how we're going to scale. Now let's go hire 50 people. And then a month later, they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, we made ourselves scalable. And we hired all the people to scale, but we didn't really have this thing figured out called selling it and marketing it. We figured that would happen because we had this cool idea and it was just supposed to happen. And you're like, no, no, do this.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the stupidest thing, but uh, like, listen, I'm serious. If you're going to listen to anything from this podcast and be on it, that's the biggest thing I've learned that I, I now have like super awareness of the start I feel like I can go to my next startup and do the same thing and my next startup after that like I'm just gonna focus on little wins and I did that here and it's it's like the stupidest little thing that's changed like guys it sounds dumb it's a win to me today that I'm on a podcast with you guys it sounds dumb but like all I need is hey, one that's insulting. <laughs> no 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 like I like I, if I have one person that comes in like says hey I listened to your conversation it was meaningful to me and I kind of want to check out what you guys do. I want to follow you and see stuff. I just got one person that's going to amplify things to their network over and over again for me for the next couple of years.
0: Yeah. And again, I would say, listen to, listen to Ryan's podcast. He's got some great stuff on there. Um, you know, I, I intended to listen to an episode for, uh, to be prepped for this a bit. And then I've ended up just uh, subscribing and have it on my, uh, I'm going to have my sales now.
2: team listen to it. Cool. Oh, yeah. Cool. Cool.
0: As you can tell here, Ryan knows what he's talking about. Um, oh, I appreciate it. Let's jump over a little bit here, Ryan, to another subject. I want to get through as many things as possible. I know we, we have a long podcast compared to other ones out there, but we still always run out of time.
2: I think we've got uh, like five more minutes, right?
0: Oh, yeah. We, we, got, we have time still. There's just a lot I want to try to get through with Ryan. Um, so let's first hit general advice for for marketing, startup marketing. Anything we haven't hit on yet that you want marketers to know, uh, pitfalls, do's and
2: don'ts. Or even a recap.
1: Okay. Don't I will start. Kind
2: of thing.
1: I'll start with one other thing that people do. If you're in the B2B world, you don't have to be serious. That's another thing.
0: <laughs> but business is serious, Ryan. Come on.
2: I know. I want to be a not, rebel comedian. You should do it. Do it I then. Yeah. Well, you know.
1: I I'm Sorry, by the way, uh, there, it's just starting to snow here. So everyone's leaving the office. Like, but I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I just, okay. Wait, are
2: they fleeing
0: the office? Are they going outside to see the snow, or are they rushing home before they? They're get- rushing.
1: They're oh, rushing home before the roads get bad. Yeah, yeah. um, oh, wow. So, I for me, hopefully you can cut that out or whatever. But um, for me, the way I look at it, I I I think that there's there. Everyone's too busy. They're too polished. They're too professional. Um, you got to talk like a human being because you're talking to people that are human, and that's that's how we approach everything here. I hate. Going to a landing page and not understanding what a company does at all, like that's the worst thing. I hate going on a LinkedIn profile and reading what the person does for a living and not understanding their job at all. We, so well, we got to get rid of this. it's
2: gook in B two B, and yeah. a lot of jargon that you read it and you're like, what? What did I just read? What do you? Yeah. What, what do you do? Yes.
0: Yeah, so I always tell forget. people if your elevator pitch says. Uh, Oh, what do we do? I help your company uh, multiply its sales and increase, you know, reduce turnover and and increase overall success. Say, great. Now I still have no freaking clue what you do. Can you tell me what you actually do? I don't need your vague, I make you feel good about yourself
2: uh, description of your company. Okay. So, B2B, don't be serious.
1: (laughs) Don't be serious. If you want to, if there's a giant opportunity out there right now to stand out, if you're not serious, and the companies that, the companies that don't care about formalities and do that are doing well that you see crushing it right now. Like look at Drift, for example. Like everyone's, a lot of people are buying and using Drift. Drift came out in 2014. They compete with Intercom. Intercom came out in 2011. Both are great companies and great products. We've used both. I like both companies. But Drift is literally catching up to Intercom. And a lot of what they do is focus on informalities. They have all their employees post LinkedIn videos once a week. They do what they call LinkedIn takeovers where they get everyone to do that. They make landing pages with fun copy and stuff. They're not too, like, buzzwordy with stuff. It's and But I'm not accusing Intercom of that, by the way. I'm just saying there are lots of other chat apps that have tried to dethrone Intercom and haven't been able to do it because they're too formal. I, I, I like calling them khaki wearers, like people that wear khakis and have cell phone clips. That's what I picture when I read half the web copy. After.
0: As soon as a company gets big enough to have a legal department, they just lose all ability to, you know, like you said, not be so serious.
1: I will go down swinging here at Lead IQ if we, if we become a bigger company. I will go down swinging trying to make sure our brand stays fun.
2: You should do it in a rebel comedian way too.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to do skids on my bike and put sheet <laughs> boxes and make music start. I, I'm feeling it.
0: So you're saying hire a comedian, not a lawyer.
1: Yeah, or, or, <laughs> or a comedian or, lawyer. A comedic yeah. you, can, you you can it doesn't have to yeah get a comedic that's funny um
0: most expensive comedian ever
1: yeah yeah but it doesn't have to be a comedian either it just ha- have fun with it ask yourself if the person reading this all right here's a good litmus test whatever you put out there ask yourself if your mom would print it out and put it on the fridge and <laughs> if your mom wouldn't it's probably not worth showing people ask if your friend would look at it and say i like this company i like this person Ignoring what you do, because remember, your brand has a different identity than your product, too. Well, it's a great
2: way to really hone in on those that are going to go after you and really weed out the ones that you don't want to do business with, I think.
0: Yeah, you say you're – so you were saying you're just leading to it, and it pops in my head back to something you said earlier. Your brand can be different from your product. So your product can be serious. Richard Branson is the cool billionaire kind of, but, you know, he makes planes, and they aren't silly, they have to stay in the air. You know, they, they can't be – they can't have silly uh, space I, I hate, uh, technology. I
1: hate, to, I hate to reference this because I think, I think a lot of their ads are annoying because you see them so much. But look at Geico. Are car accidents funny? Yeah. Have either of you ever been in a car accident? It's terrifying.
0: We brought this I, up the other week. The insurance
2: we watched it the, yeah, we do. I have to say, Geico though, bringing their the best of the best yeah, Geico back—that's
1: brilliant. That's brilliant.
2: So brilliant, but, but it's true.
1: But insurance when, companies in general
0: have the best ads right now. They're all comedic. They're
2: so commoditized, though they have. I will,
1: to. I will, guys. I'll tell you a problem with it. If you're using the brand archetype formation, though, it's hard to differentiate between them because I all,
2: agree. We were just saying that.
1: But 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 if you look. The first, uh, apparently, I I did research on this when I was learning about brand archetypes originally. Aflac was actually one of the first companies to do the comedic thing. They had the duck talking and saying Aflac over and over again. Mm -hmm. They did that in the 70s. GEICO had a huge government contract.
2: Yeah,
1: they did. Literally, GEICO stands for Government Employment Insurance Corporation.
2: Exactly. Yes.
1: They literally were selling to the government, and they lost that contract because a lot of people got laid off when the Cold War stuff ended. And they were like, we need a new national campaign to expand. They somehow came up with this idea. They're like, "Hey, Affleck's doing funny stuff. Why don't we start doing funny stuff?" And then that works. So all these other companies are like, "Let's get, let's get Stephanie Courtney, who's the face of Progressive. She plays Flo. She was a comedian in, at the Upright Citizens Brigade in New York for ten years. Let's get her to be the face of our company. Let's get uh, Dean Winters to be a Mayhem. And I can't remember the the insurance company yeah. we will see,
0: I can't either. But- maybe something like that. Yeah. 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 They, they all do a great yeah. job now. I mean, they all have. Good comedic
1: stuff. Serious. Funny, funny ads. Yeah, funny brand.
2: farm is serious.
1: Yeah, funny brand, serious, serious product. And if you, like, by the way, if I started an insurance company right now, I would be serious. I would not be funny you because to too many be, of them are doing it.
2: You have to be <laughs> the
1: opposite, right? You got to zig where other, other people are zagging. We
0: had a guest on a while back, and I think uh, the quote that she put out there was, your product is boring, your marketing doesn't have to be. It's like, right. Oh yeah, that's your opportunity to do something not boring. Sure, your product and the example you mentioned, the Office. I think I brought this up on the podcast before. I use them as an example all the time. I ask people, "The Office is a show about selling, all right? That's what they do. They sell in there. What do they sell?" And everybody, even people I ask that are big fans, are like, "I don't. What do they sell? I don't know. They're never actually selling." And I say. I know because I pay attention to sales movies and sales shows. Paper, they sell. They chose the most boring product possible because it had right. nothing to do. The show is super entertaining, has nothing to do with the product, and yet it can be super entertaining.
1: Oh, sorry. I was going to say, look at what they do at, on 30 Rock too. Like when 30 Rock was on the air, they literally removed the fourth wall and make fun of the network that they're on.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But, but yep. like I pay attention to that stuff. That's the stuff I like is like the little business jokes about like they make a joke that a wig company owns NBC. Shine heart wigs. (laughs) It's just really brilliant and different. So like, that's the idea is like, can you find a way to make it so that when you're going out there and going to the market, your brand has a personality? Um, One last thing, I'll give you an example to sell you on this idea of personality. Do you guys have you guys seen all the Star Wars movies? Most of the startup founders probably have seen at least the original trilogy. <laughs> you
2: can't be yeah, a startup that's founder that's if you're not a you
0: follower of
1: Star Wars. better
2: than the later ones, I will say. Yeah,
1: so like no one likes the prequels. You want to know why no one likes the prequels? Because if you watch. Well, it's not just that. There's more. Right. There's, there's more. Tell us, if, tell us. If you watch the original trilogy, Han Solo is a rebel. He's a badass. Luke is a, a hero. He is a hero archetype. He is all about trying to represent like you know being heroic and doing the right thing lay is the comic relief she's the gesture she makes you laugh she has wise cracks all that stuff uh the sage is obi-wan kenobi when they went and made the prequels i can't tell you what guy gone Jin's supposed to be liam neeson's character he's boring there's no adjectives to write down for him he, no. literally you could you could replace him with a piece of sandpaper and i'd be like oh that, that's a Jedi, I guess.
2: They took the R2-D2, and then they made the little characters that were just a bit over the top, and a little bit sappy. Yeah. It, so yeah. Did they run
0: all the characters through legal? Is that what happened again? Legal got in the way?
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's, they just followed a formula, and the formula yeah. they forgot is that Star Wars was disruptive. Star but what, Wars- what Ryan's
0: saying is the formula should be to have your characters have character.
2: Yeah, it should be
0: personalities have them have one personality
1: Star Wars Star Wars was character driven It wasn't and I'm not even by the way. I'm not a Star Wars fan like crazy Like I'm just a cat like I like it like back to the future like it's a blockbuster to me
0: Yeah, you're not even wearing a Star Wars shirt. I noticed that's pretty
1: I'm letting everyone down I guess but you you get what I'm saying Like if you're gonna go into the market and talk about stuff Think of what adjectives you want your customers to have And then make your company those adjectives with your brand
0: Right. And it, it doesn't matter what your product is. Your, your marketing can be fun. Yeah. All right. Um, so I want to fit one last thing in here if we can. It seems like the type of thing that you, you have, well, I'm going to try to squeeze two things in. So first your favorite marketing channels for startup marketing specifically, and then also any specific success rituals for marketing for, for your day, just for success in general, checklists, anything like that, that you've found tweaks you've found to help you be successful.
1: Okay. So my, obviously I'm a big fan of using social and I've really fallen in love with LinkedIn. I think it's, it's my favorite place to post stuff. I've for years have made videos on YouTube that no one looks at. I've made videos on Facebook and Twitter that no one looks at. I use those platforms for remarketing, like retargeting someone that's visited my site. Mm -hmm. But my best success has always happened on LinkedIn. And Uh, I highly recommend if you're not doing LinkedIn video, you should be doing a LinkedIn video once a week. If you do something on LinkedIn with your connections and then you don't post for six days, your connections will stop seeing your post unless another mutual connection of theirs is tagged on it. So you basically have a week, every week you need to post something on LinkedIn. I, I literally had a video I made. Uh, we did a prospecting campaign here two weeks ago where we made an infomercial about drift. i brought up drift earlier, but, um, I literally made an infomercial about drift with the goal of them turning into a meeting for us for a prospecting meeting. and We did get the meeting with them. But we posted publicly on social. I didn't email. I didn't call. We already just posted a video and tagged the prospect that we wanted to see. We want
0: to and lead help. with this company. That's hilarious. I've joked before about if you have a really big account that you want to land, you should get a billboard in front of their office. Yeah, saying, yeah. I've Somebody talked about that tell John I'm trying to get him on the phone.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've talked about that too. Actually, that's crazy. That's actually, but, a
2: really good tip. So, and you'll
0: get him on the phone if you put a billboard. And how much is that lead worth for you?
1: What do you guys think all the drift people did? On linkedin after we posted that video
2: i really
0: loved it oh yeah shared it they, they all commented
1: comment, comment. Yep. if here's the way linkedin works if i comment on a video all my followers will see or all my connections will see that i like that video and it'll come up in their feed they basically set it up to create viral loops that are really tight so any ad, like shares aren't worth as much as likes and comments on linkedin so if i post something on linkedin and you sky come in and comment on it or like let's say carly you come in and you do that if your connections will see it and you'll come and engage with it and i'll be in your feed constantly now as long as i post every six days because you've engaged with me linkedin's so terrified of people of it turning into like twitter or facebook or any of that stuff so like because of that they're like they're trying to really emphasize engagement with comments and likes and stuff instead of just sharing links so don't share links Use LinkedIn. To- no, it's
2: true. They like their comments to stay on. I mean, they like their content to stay on their platform. It's very, yeah, very, so,
1: so don't go sharing links, share commentary when you get likes and engagements, prospect those people afterward or have your sales rep that you hire do that or something like use that to kind of build a cycle of people. And that's how we work here. Basically we'll go put something out there and then our guys here will go run in and, and, and ask people. They'll reach out to them and say, Hey, I saw you like Ryan's video. Have you ever thought about using XYZ or we're talking about that stuff and it's great. So I've, I've fallen in love with LinkedIn on that end. Uh, what was the second question?
0: Let me see any uh, success rituals.
2: Well, we know about uh, the win and win every day. Right? Okay. So
1: the win every day is huge. Uh, I will try and label and have a win every day. Another thing that I recommend is there are a lot of little tools that you can use to make your day more efficient. Think about ways you can, I'll give you an example. In my day, I use cloud app for screenshots. I just literally will take screenshots and share them with people. It makes my day way faster. Um, whenever I want to share a screenshot with someone, I know that sounds stupid, it's free. You literally can download it and use it and you can write a, You could screenshot something and then make an annotation. That saves me way more time than copying and pasting it into a, a, a program like Paint or Photoshop and having to write stuff. There's a tool
0: uh, I use called Snipping Tool. It's built into Windows. Snip open. it.
1: Yeah. Yep. It, and that's
0: selective um, parts of the screen you can and then you can draw on it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I love the windows window <laughs> tool tools, great too. Another one you can use is um, I use Text Expander. I don't copy and paste anything. So I have keyboard commands for everything that when I'm like, hey, here's my calendar sky, I literally type in semicolon calendar and it just injects the calendar link for you. That's um, crazy. I have all our web colors saved, so I literally type in colon green on my keyboard, and the second I type in colon green It'll give me the web code number for my green, and it's easy for me to make images and stuff. Find little tools that you can use to make your day more efficient with the things that you're doing 100 times a day, the groundhog day type things, and -hmm. your life will get a lot easier. You'll find it that, like, you'll be able to trim out more activities in a day doing this. If you do more activities in a day, you're more likely to get more wins.
0: Awesome! Yeah, get two wins by saving some. Time. <laughs>
2: okay, I, I have one last thing. So we did. Okay, that oh. in. I have one last thing. So okay, Brian, I want you to tell us a could be funny, could be not, but tell us a story that probably most startups would have reality with of something that you messed up on. That
1: oh, this is good. I have a really, from. I have a really good one.
2: Okay, okay.
1: so. Uh, a couple years ago before Lead IQ I got a job at a VC firm called Flagship Ventures and they had me help them with a startup that they had acquired called WhoQuest and it was basically they were trying to build something that was like LinkedIn endorsements I was helping them with building a viral loop system basically where if you go on their site you can endorse people and if they got endorsed we would match them up to an API and then email that person and let them know that they got endorsed on the site and if they want to remove it they can remove it if they want to join they can join to see the endorsement they got endorsed on. They had to join to see it. A little viral loop we did to get a lot of users. Worked really cool. I built a page that explained everything to them. When the page came through and it it got sent, I had on the page in big letters, we will spam you when they signed up. And I meant to put, we won't spam you.
0: (laughs) So just a tiny typo.
1: (laughs) I, I put it auto, I fat fingered it and wrote, I wrote to, we were using a designer guy at the time and I wrote, we will spam you and the guy clearly like English was a second language or something because he didn't know what it meant. Put it on the landing page and I, it went out to like No. We had like 85,000 people that visited the page and saw No.
0: No.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But how many of them said you'll (laughs) spam
0: me? Okay. And went ahead and signed up anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we actually still converted. I'm not kidding. People converted. But the way I found out was like
2: well, people at least come. They, you know what, full disclosure, at least they know. Okay, they're yeah.
1: good. To... <laughs> you know what was cool? I emailed the hell out of those people. No, I'm just kidding. Oh uh, not I,
2: I, do it.
1: <laughs> I, I just wanted to make it clear that, like, we were going to go and, like, email. Anyway, it's just really silly. That's a classic startup fail. I, I tell my friends that here all the time they laugh it's about classic. it. It's really funny.
0: Yeah, one yeah. of the things we say here is that we try to just stay away from that word altogether. Even if you yeah. say we're not gonna spam you, we swear we're not gonna spam you, don't worry, we won't spam you. All people hear is spam, 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 spam. You
1: know what I noticed too? If you um if you have a landing page and you say that, it makes people think about it. So don't even put it on there. Yeah,
0: email. yep. True. If you don't don't mention it, don't mention any Yeah,
1: don't think of pink elephants and then you think <laughs> of a pink elephants. If you mentioned will spam, oh crap, if I sign up, I'm gonna get an email spam. I don't know. Oh,
0: Ryan, Ryan this is uh this has been time. great. Yeah, yeah, it's been fantastic. Um I wanna mention uh, again. Your site and, uh, and, and your podcast, the Prospecting Podcast, everybody check that out, subscribe, give them a good rating. All the same fantastic stuff you do for us here on the If You Market Podcast. And um, also uh, Ryan's company, Lead IQ, uh, check them out. Ryan, you want to throw out a quick um, kind of what Lead IQ does and what people can expect there?
1: Yeah, so if you are someone that works in sales uh, or you're a, you run a company that gets pitched a lot, you probably hate getting pitched to people that don't personalize their prospecting. What we've tried to do is we're trying to solve a problem where we help people with research first prospecting by building software that makes it easy for you to do research on the sites that you're on and get contact information in one click. So if you want to go to a prospect's profile online, or you want to go to their company blog, you can open up our extension, hit one button. We'll get all their contact information for you. Uh, we'll send that stuff into Salesforce. Um, kind of try and make it a lot easier for you. So you can just focus on writing a really good gold email, like something that people will be like, Holy crap, get this person an Oscar. Um, <laughs> so take so all that, the
0: time they save by getting that stuff from you and put it into better email content.
1: That's our goal. That's honestly I why think we're if here. There's a trial
2: that they can try out for. And, and, uh... yeah,
1: yeah. You can go to the site and get a hundred free leads, or you can email me Ryan at lead IQ.com. And I'll give you the old uh, the old one two God mode account, and you can get a little bit more. That's my little exclusive for, <laughs> your listeners for being cool.
0: The B A B A up right left right.
1: Yeah, yeah Konami Co. Up down there, up there up <laughs> right. <laughs> Unlimited lives at Contra.
0: That's great, <laughs> and then I'm sure anybody can um, find Ryan very easily on uh, on LinkedIn. Sounds like you're very active there, uh, so check Ryan out uh, on LinkedIn. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening on behalf of the If You Market podcast and myself and Carla Joe Helms and Ryan O'Hara of Lead IQ. Remember, if you market the shit out of it, they will come.
1: Believe. All right. See you guys. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks.